Good morning. I need to ask you a question today as we get started. I want to show of hands over in the Life Center. Hope you participate and raise your hands as well. Here's the question. Have you ever gotten your car or your truck stuck in the mud? Raise your hand. All right. I didn't realize it would be that many. Uh, probably most of us have done that. I bet over in the Life Center a lot of hands are up over there as well. You know, here's basically what happens. You get into a muddy area, it's softer than you thought it was, and the tires start spinning, and the tires keep spinning, but you're not moving. So what do you normally do in that situation? You press the gas, right? And so the tires are spinning even more. But are you going forward? No, you're going deeper, right? You want to get out. You intend to get out. You're trying to get out. And you keep going, "Mm," but you're not going anywhere except just deeper in the mud. You know what I found? I found that cars and trucks aren't the only thing to get stuck. It can happen to people too. I mean, do you ever feel stuck in the same place with the same struggles? You don't need to raise your hand on that one, but think about it. Over the Life Center, do you ever get stuck in the same place with the same struggles? I mean, you thought this year would be better, but it isn't. You thought a new house would improve your marriage, but it didn't. You thought a new job would make you happy, but it didn't work. You thought maybe this diet would be the answer, but it wasn't. We've probably all had those times when you realize that everything you've been trying isn't working. You're still stuck in the same place. With the same problems. I mean, you've read the books, perhaps. You've talked to family and friends. Maybe even read your Bible looking for answers. But you still feel stuck in the same place with the same struggles. Someone wisely said, too often we change jobs or friends or spouses instead of changing ourselves. That is such a powerful statement. And that's why we're doing this sermon series over the next month or so called change. If you've ever looked in the mirror and thought, my life really isn't what I want it to be. If you've ever looked in the mirror and had that thought, my life really isn't what I want it to be, then you know how hard it can be to really change. I looked up the definition of change and the definition is this, to make or become different. And for some of you, that's a very appealing thought. To, to, to become different than what you are now, to make changes that are really different than what they are now, to get unstuck, if you will. That's a very appealing thought, to make something or become different, to make it different, to change something in your life. And you may say to me, well, Keith, I've tried to do that. I want to do that, but I'm still stuck in the same place with the same struggles. Oh, remember when I asked you if you've ever gotten stuck in your car or your truck? I've got another question for you. How did you get out? You don't have to answer that one out loud, but just think about it. You wanted to get out, right? You tried to get out. But how did you get out of being stuck in that same place when you just kept going deeper and deeper? More than likely... Though I wasn't there with you, more than likely, somebody came along with a truck or a tractor and a chain. And they pulled you out of what you couldn't get out of on your own. 
But how do you do that in life? That's the question we're going to be looking at in this sermon and in this series. How do you do that in life? It'd be nice if somebody could just come up beside you with a truck or a tractor and a chain and kind of pull you out of this problem you're in, but that's not going to happen. So how do we do that in life? Where do you even start? I would start in Psalm 139. I want you to open God's Word with me to Psalm 139. In this psalm, there is an intense prayer that David prayed that you might need to pray. And that's the title of the message today, an intense prayer. David prayed an intense prayer in Psalm 139, and it might very well be the prayer you need to pray today as well. Now, David did a lot of courageous things in life. If you know anything about David in the Old Testament, he did a lot of courageous things in life, a lot of bold things in life, a lot of dangerous things in life. David was a very courageous man. I mean, the Bible says that he fought a lion. The Bible says that he killed a bear with his own bare hands, pun intended. He fought a lion. He killed a bear with his own bare hands. And the Bible says he faced and killed a giant named Goliath with just a slingshot. I would say David was a pretty brave and courageous man. But perhaps the bravest thing David ever did, perhaps the most courageous thing David ever did was when he, the day that he prayed this prayer, this intense prayer. It's at the end of Psalm 139, and here's what David prays beginning in verse 23. David said to the Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a dangerous prayer. And the reason I say that, it's not like most of the prayers that we pray. For many of the prayers that we pray, our bedtime prayers, our mealtime prayers, our our morning prayers, many of the prayers that we pray, that's what we're doing. We're just kind of saying our prayers. We're just praying many times out of habit. But this is the kind of prayer you can only pray sincerely if you really want things to change. This is the kind of prayer that if you pray it genuinely, honestly, sincerely, your life won't be the same. You will indeed experience change. But it isn't an intense prayer. You can say this prayer and not mean it, but if you say it and mean it, it will be perhaps the most intense prayer you've ever prayed. Notice that David is asking God to do three things in his life. David in this text is three things he's asking God for. He said, God, search me, test me, lead me. If you haven't marked those in your Bible, it would be a good thing to mark. Search me, test me, lead me. Now, you know what I found out? We all usually want to start with the third one. We all run to, Lord, lead me. That's the one we, we most often pray. We start with the third one. Asking God for direction in life. Asking for God's will in our life. Asking for God to show us what we need to do. What our next step is. That's a pretty safe prayer to pray if, if that's the only one you're praying. It's a pretty safe prayer to pray just to say, God, just lead me. Because if, if that's where you start, basically, watch this. You're kind of keeping God at a safe distance. If you start, if you just pray, God, lead me. You can decide whether or not you follow. If you just start with that one, God, lead me, you're kind of keeping God at arm's length. If you're praying, God, lead me, you're, you're kind of staying in charge. 
Could I ask you a question? Why should God lead you if you're not willing to let him change you? Hello? Why should God lead you if you're not willing to let God change you? And so David didn't start with God lead me. David started with God search me. God test me. Then he prayed, God lead me. I don't know of a more intense prayer in the Bible except for, for the one in the New Testament where Jesus prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, not my will, but thy will be done. That was the most intense prayer in the Bible. He sweat great drops of blood as he prayed that prayer. But, but perhaps the most intense prayer besides that one is this one. Asking God, genuinely, honestly asking God to search me to test me, and then to lead me. You see, every day we face a choice. Will we be open and honest with God about our lives, or will we try to conceal the things that are in our lives? In Psalm 139, David prayed this, imprint, this intense prayer that is a prayer that perhaps you need to pray, especially if you find yourself stuck in the same place, struggling with the same struggles, not making any progress, but maybe even things going deeper, things going worse, maybe it's time in desperation you would pray those three things. God, would you search me? And God, will you test me? And God, will you then lead me? But I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to let God deal with any area of your life? You see, that's the reason this prayer is so intense. Because you're opening yourself up and saying, God, deal with anything you see in me. Deal with anything you see in my heart. Deal with anything you see in my mind. Deal with anything you see in my hands. Do it, deal with anything you see in my life. The word intimacy could be translated, into me, see. God, I want you to look into me and I want you to see what's there. Do you try to restrict God to certain areas? Or do, are you seeking to allow God to have access to every area of your life? That's the reason this is an intense prayer. Now, let me tell you several reasons why it's not easy for us to pray this prayer. Let me tell you why there's sometimes we're hesitant to pray this prayer. Number one, sometimes because there are sins there we don't want to admit. Perhaps you've done something that you're ashamed of and you knew better, but you did it nonetheless and you don't want to admit it to anybody, much less to God. There are sins there that you're ashamed of that you don't want to admit. So you go through life unhappy, you go through life guilt-ridden, you go through life with a bad self-esteem because you won't be honest with God about what's in your heart and in your life. Or there may be something in your life that you won't admit that it is sin. There may be something in your life that, that is, in your mind, you've justified it. In your mind, you've rationalized it. And you're not willing to pray this intense prayer because you're afraid that God, the Holy Spirit, will point to that and say, that's not just a bad decision, that's sin. That's not just a, a, a kind of a, a bad time in your life, that's sin. You see, we need to be willing to open ourselves up to let God see the disobedience and the rebellion that may be within us. Those things that perhaps we have convinced ourselves are okay. 
And those things, you know, here's how we do that many times. We'll say, well, God understands. Or, or we may say, well, well, God knows. God knows my heart. I've got a good heart. So sometimes we're reluctant to be open and honest with God and pray this intense prayer because there are sins we don't want to admit. Another reason we're sometimes hesitant to be open and honest with God and pray this intense prayer is because there are sins we don't want to give up. We know that repentance means we're going to have to make some changes. And we sometimes pay lip service to our willingness to make changes. We pay lip service to our desire to get it free from what we're struggling with. But we know deep down that if we really open ourselves up to the Lord and really confess, there are some sins we may have to give up. There's a relationship we may have to give up. There, there, there's something we're doing that we kind of enjoy we may have to give up. There's a habit, there's a, an addiction that we may have to give up. And, and deep down inside of us, there's something holding on to that. And we're afraid that if we were to pray this intense prayer, God, search me and test me and lead me, we're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid that there'll be some, something that we're going to have to give up. And just maybe, just maybe, if God really knew, we, we tell ourselves, if God really knew, just maybe God wouldn't really love me. <clears throat> I want you to go to the first part of Psalm 139. We, we probably should have started there, but David, he, he does not start with verse 23, of course. He starts with what we call verse 1. He starts with this in Psalm 139, verse 1. He says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you what, church? You what? You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down, my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. God, you know me. You know everything about me. That's how, that's how David started the psalm. Well, how did he get to this intense prayer? Well, as David was praising the Lord and talking to the Lord about his devotion and so forth, there came a point in the psalm where, where David began to look at others and kind of chastise them in his heart, criticizing others. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at other people and thought, boy, they're awful bad. They, they ought to get their act together. Man, man, I tell you what, they got problems. you ever done that? Have you ever kind of become the judge and jury as you looked at somebody else? It's exactly what David did. Look what he said. As he's praising God and thanking God. Uh, for example, verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. And then, all of a sudden, David begins to look around him. And he says... If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. I mean, that doesn't even seem like it's appropriate to be in the Bible in a way, right? But you probably said worse than that on Interstate 85. 
So here's David. In the first part of the psalm, his heart is devoted to the Lord. And he's saying, God, you know me. You know everything about me. And then as he's worshiping the Lord, all of a sudden, he begins to look around him. And he sees people that aren't worshiping the Lord like he is. And all of a sudden, he becomes judgmental. He becomes critical. He begins to talk about the other people and what they don't have in their lives and how they need to get their act together. He becomes judge and jury in everybody else's life. And then, here's what happened. Then, apparently, the Scripture doesn't say this. This is my conjecture. But apparently, as he's looking at everybody else's life and everybody else's heart and everybody else's problem, apparently, the Spirit of God began to put the finger on him but said, what about you, David? And all of a sudden, there was a a switch. Something changed and Verse 23, that's when he began this intense prayer. I'm going to stop looking at others and pray and talking about others. God, I, I just need you to search me. And he begins this intense prayer. So, so let, me, let me give you some out, an outline if you like to take outlines. Kind of the steps to an intense prayer. I gave you kind of the background. Let me give you some of the steps to this intense prayer that David prayed. First of all, we must pray, we must deal with God personally. We must deal with God personally. I like the way David finally came around in verse 23 when he said, Search me, O God. Would you put a circle around that word me in your Bible? Search me, O God. We can so easily get away from that, can't we? We can so easily get, I can so easily get focused on you that I never really look at me. I mean, I, I, can, I can just so easily see sin in your life and just as easily justify sin in mine. I mean, the, but the best way to kind of illustrate this, I guess, is at the grocery store. Have you ever been in one of those lines that says 10 items or less? Now, if the person in front of you has 11 or 12 items, what do you do? You start counting them, don't you? And, and if you're really bold, you'll start counting them out loud. One, two, three, four, eleven, twelve. You may not do it out loud, but you turn to your daughter and say, Honey, I don't know if they can't count or if they can't read. I'm not sure which the problem is here. But you, you, become, you become the judge in that situation real quickly. But now if it's you and you're in a hurry and you've got 11 items and you see the 10-item line is open, what do you do? You get right up there. Because now you're not the judge, now you're the defense attorney. And now you can justify what you're doing, right? Because now you can say, hey, I'm in a hurry. i got to get home to my wife. She's feeling bad. I know i got 11 items. I mean, you're not saying this to anybody else, but you're making the case in your heart. Or even better than this, you say, I know it says 10 items, but, you know, there's three Pepsis in there. So combine them, that's just one item. So that, that brings me down under 10. And so we, we can justify so easily the sin in our lives while we point to the sin in other people's lives. Now, I want you to write this reference down if you're taking notes, or maybe just turn there. Psalm 17. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Psalm. Jeremiah 17, over to the right. Jeremiah 17. <clears throat> Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah said something that was so accurate. Of course, it's inspired by the Word of God or the Spirit of God. This is the infallible Word of God. But my goodness, it is so accurate, so 
relevant to our lives. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah makes this observation. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart can convince us that our sin is okay. The heart can convince us that your sin might be bad, but my sin is rationalized. My sin is justified. God understands my situation. God knows my heart. So David, when he's praying in Psalm 139, this intense prayer, the word search really means to examine intimately, find out what's there. Examine carefully and find out what's there. It's almost as if David is saying, God, would you, would you do exploratory surgery of my heart? Would you just open me up and show me what's there? I want you to do that for me. It's an intense prayer that requires that we deal with God personally. Search me, oh God. I'm not talking about my spouse. I'm not talking about my neighbor. I'm not talking about my coworker. I'm not talking about that person in church who, who I know they're wrong. I know they're living in sin. I know. I'm not talking about them, Lord. Lord, I'm talking about me. Search me, oh Lord. One of the first steps in marriage counseling, by the way, I just, one of the first steps in marriage counseling is, is to help folks understand you'll never change her or you'll never change him. The only person you can change with God's grace and God's help is you. That was for somebody today. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's over in the Life Center. One of the first steps when you do marriage counseling is try to help them understand, listen, I know there's things you don't like about him that he's doing or you don't like that she's doing, but you will never change him. You will never change her. That's God's job. The only thing you can do is with God's help, change you. And David understood that. Search me, oh God. You have to deal with God personally. Number two, you must also deal with God honestly. David went on to say, test me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He longed to be real with God and he said, I want you to test me. Men may see my actions, but God, you know my heart. Men may see my actions, but God, you know my thoughts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Men can hear my words, but only you can hear what I'm thinking. God, test me. Open up my heart and my mind and see what you find there. You see, if you want to be right with God, listen to me, church, you can't play games with God. If you want to be right with God, if you want to get out of that place where you're stuck and you're doing the same thing over and over and over, if you really want change, then you have to deal with God completely. God, search me and God, test me. And then he says, look, look what he says in verse 23, the second part. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then verse 24, see if there is any, in the NIV the word is, see if there is any what? Offensive way in me. Some translations call it, see if there is any wicked way in me. It has the idea, see if there's anything painful. Is there anything in my heart? Lord, anything in my mind that is breaking your heart. That's really what he's talking about. 
See if there's anything. God, don't leave any stone unturned. Show me if I'm doing anything that is breaking your heart. That's what he's praying. When was the last time you got that bold, that honest, that courageous, and prayed that to God? God, is there anything in my mind, anything in my heart that is offensive to you, that is breaking your heart? Now, before you decide it's not worth it to pray that openly to God, I want you to go to the third prayer request that David prayed. He said in the last part of verse 24, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me, if you want to write this down somewhere, maybe in the column of your Bible, lead me speaks of his lordship. Putting God back on the throne of your heart and allowing him to put you back on the right path. Lead me in the way everlasting. There's two important truths that stand out when you really look at what he's saying there. When he said lead me, he's acknowledging, God, I can't find your way on my own. I need you to lead me. I can't find the way out of this mess on my own. I need you to lead me. He's also acknowledging that God's way is the best way. He says, lead me in the way everlasting. Every other way that you try is not an everlasting way. Only God's ways are everlasting. Now, other ways may seem attractive, other ways may seem exciting, other ways may seem fulfilling until, watch this, until you get stuck. You can't get out, and you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over, the same struggle over and over and over. You're stuck in the same place doing the same thing, and nothing is changing. What if, instead of pressing the gas, gas pedal harder and going deeper, what if you threw your hands up and said, God, search me. Test me. And then, lead me. I have made a mess. I'm stuck. Heard true story this week of a, of a young man whose name is Lee. Lee had an older brother named Josh. Josh was just one of those firstborn, driven kind of young guys, just had his act together, always did everything right. Josh was, was one of those guys who always accomplished everything in life. And Lee was the younger brother, and Lee struggled trying to live up to Josh's standard, trying to live in Josh's shadow. One day, his sophomore year in high school, somebody gave Lee a cigarette under the trampoline in the backyard of Lee's house. Just, you know, how kids will do. And so Lee, for the first time, smoked, smoked a cigarette under the trampoline behind his house. And that led to another cigarette and to another cigarette until he was hooked on cigarettes for a long, long time. And then Lee got off to college and somebody handed him a beer at a party, and, and that led to another beer, and to another beer, and to another beer, and to other things he was drinking, and to finally Lee became a full-fledged alcoholic as a college student. Then somebody offered him a joint, and he smoked that, and smoked another one, and smoked another one, and they call that a gateway drug, and so that led to cocaine. 
He didn't like cocaine because it just made him feel so bad and it was so wild and so addictive that he decided to switch to painkillers. And at first he was using painkillers because he kind of needed them because of the pain he was having. And then he started using painkillers because he wanted them. And, and he got up to the point where Lee was using painkillers to the degree that he was spending $40,000 a year trying to self-medicate his pain. Not his physical pain. His emotional pain. $40,000 a year trying to maintain his addiction. $40,000 a year stuck in the same place doing the same thing and it never really changing. He finally went to counseling and he went to rehab and all of that and he finally said to his older brother Josh, he said, Josh, you never intended this. You didn't do anything wrong. But because you were so successful, I knew you were the good brother. You were the good guy, and I figured that meant that I was the bad guy. I've been living in that shadow ever since. really believe that here in the Life Center, I'm talking to somebody, and you know exactly what that story's like. Because you're desperately wanting to change something in your life and you're stuck. And nothing you have tried is working and it's just getting worse. The hole is getting deeper. I wonder what would happen if you genuinely prayed an intense prayer. God, Search me. God, test me. God, lead me. See, the reason we get into messes is because we get to the point where we don't pray those prayers. We get to the point where we just kind of coast and all of a sudden we find ourselves doing things we never thought we would do find ourselves stuck in places we never thought we would be stuck and just like you need a truck or a tractor to pull you out of a mud hole you need someone stronger to pull you out of the mess you're in and his name is God his name is Jesus Lord, I know it's an intense prayer, but God, will you search me and will you test me? And will you lead me? And that really is a lordship prayer. It really is a prayer where you say, I, I, I'm just going to surrender. I'm dying to self, surrendering to you. Dying to self, surrendering to you. Dying to self, surrendering to you. God, search me, test me. That's an intense prayer if you really mean it. Let's pray about that. <clears throat> Father, I don't know the situations of each person here in the Life Center or even those listening online. But I do know that for all of us, we have to be willing 
to allow you to look into our lives, to allow you to look into our hearts, to allow you to even look into our thoughts. Then and only then are we ready for you to change us. I pray that somebody here today, somebody listening online, somebody in the Life Center, would pray an intense prayer, not from their mouth, but from their heart. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.